0: We but mirror the world. All the tendencies present in the outer world are to be found in the world of our body. If we could change ourselves, the tendencies in the world would also change. As a person changes their own nature, so does the attitude of the world change towards them. This is the divine mystery supreme. A wonderful thing it is, and the source of our happiness. We need not wait to see what others do. I wonder how many of us have heard this quote of Gandhi before. Perhaps, raise your hand, have you heard this quote? And how many have heard the quote, you must be the change you wish to see in the world? Only there's no trace of him saying that, second one. (laughs) It is a summary, someone's interpretation of something that he said. What is the difference between these two? What is the difference? He said, we but mirror the world. All the tendencies present in the outer world are to be found in the world of our If we could change ourselves, the tendencies in the world would change. As one changes their own nature, the tendencies in the world would also change. We need not wait to see what others do. The more famous misquote says, we must be the change. It is a call to not be hypocrites, which I agree with, we should not be hypocrites. But there is something else more integral and more pressing in the longer quote. If our inner change interacts with the world, how can we wait a moment to change? If we are the engine of part of change, how can we wait? This is about mission and carrying out our mission as we said. Vision is about words, and we talked about the power of words, and we need both. Words that try in a vision, however inadequately, to describe a beautiful place, the beautiful place that we long for, Beloved community, peace and justice and world community. But how will you demonstrate your mission? Your mission is what you will actually do. How will you demonstrate that you meant what you said when you let those beautiful words fly from your lips? Hmm. It is like keeping a promise. Like when you tell your friend, I promise, or your parents, I promise. (laughs) That is your vision, and your mission is what you do afterwards to change. It is how you show that you meant it. You see, while speaking is action, and saying powerful words like I love you, can have as much power as any action. Most of the time, words are a special kind of action that begs to be proven. Words are begging to be proven with lived action. And so, what will you do to prove your word is true? Hopefully after last week, You had all kinds of ideas about what you would say. Say what you mean. And perhaps you've lived with these for years. What do you mean to say? Or at least, what do you say to your closest friends and loved ones? Because maybe it's not safe to say what you really mean out in the grocery store or wherever, on the highways and byways. But what that thing that you said to your close ones, when you say that you are casting your vision. When we say what we mean, we are casting a vision, and we are making a promise to our soul. You are making a big promise. Vision can come from saying things like this. The United States and Australia are the only developed industrialized countries in the world that won't accept climate change is real. How can the rich and powerful ignore this any longer? We cannot sit by while Australia burns. If you've said this, if you believe this, what do you do to show you mean it? Nobody expects you to hop on a plane and fly to Australia and go give Scott Morrison a piece of your mind. That wouldn't be good for fossil fuel use anyway. (laughs) But, but what are you doing? If anyone, not God or some higher power, but any stranger on the street were to look at the book of your life, what would they say? What would they have to assume that you really mean? At the store, do you choose products that don't rely, perhaps, on plastic or ridiculous shipping? In the school lunch line, when you're cleaning up, do you take a moment at those two trash cans to separate out the trash from the recycling? Raise your hand if you take a minute to separate. Thank you. They should all do it, and if yours doesn't, let's work on that together. What if your vision says things like people of all genders, all genders are whole? holy and good. How can anyone tell another human being they cannot be who they know they are? And this whole bathroom paranoia thing, that is a smoke screen. That does not protect anyone from some assailant. It is a mere distraction. All it does is hurt Everyone who is transgender, non-binary, gender queer, and anyone who doesn't fit the gender binary box. If you say this, how do we know you mean it? What is your mission? No one expects you to stage pns with a porta potty at restaurants at the end. People, although there's an idea. I said it first. <laughs> and now that I have said P in and porta potty and therefore have your full attention, I want to share something with you. Agatink UU Church has always been a welcoming community. That does not mean we have always been perfect in our interactions, but we have always known ourselves to be a community of welcome for everyone anyone who will join us in our mission that means everyone and here today we have an opportunity to show the world anybody at least that happens to drive by and see our sign or come here wondering is this a place for me anybody can see on a new sign that they are welcome here and it looks like looks like this. All are welcome at Akatink UU Church. And right after worship, we're going to go put this sign up after we bless it together and come back and have cake. <laughs> Woo! Because we are finding a way as a community to mean what we say. This is one way There are many more ways we do and will continue to say, to show that we mean it. What if your vision comes out in statements like this? Poor children are carrying the burden of profits and convenience in our world. They are. They're carrying the burden of all of our convenience. Look around at the low-wage jobs in the service industry around here. If a parent misses work or can't keep long and late work hours, they get fired. They can't feed or care for their children. So, understandably, without affordable, good quality aftercare for children, after and before school, parents have no choice but to leave their children under-supervised, with many opportunities for people to take advantage of them. Anyone who profits or benefits from convenience of having folks work late, especially in low-wage industry jobs, should be willing to help support our county in expanding aftercare or our state in expanding school pre-care and aftercare for low-income families. This is logical and fair. If you believe this, how will you show you mean it? Will you come to Richmond on February 4th or 13th and tell the legislators you believe this? If any of us says something among our friends, how do we know? How does anyone know that we mean it? And it's more than rhetoric. I want you to think now about something that gets you really mad about the state of the world, or the way things are. Something that you think you have an idea about how to fix it. Think about that thing. It could be bullying in school. It could be sexism, ageism, racism, environmental crisis. What have you said to your parents, to your friends, to your children, to your loved ones? about it. Now ask yourself this. I will model some self-reflective questions. What if I actually said people should do? If a stranger were to look at my life, what would they have to assume I meant by that? And if it doesn't ring clear to you, just ask yourself, what can I do to demonstrate that I mean what I said? Meaning what you say isn't easy at any age. School, there are lots of pressures to say the cool things, to go along with the memes that made fun of people. There's pressure to laugh at it and to make up your own. But you have to mean what you say when you say everyone should be treated fairly. So how do you show it? Mean what you say is hard because life gives you all kinds of ambiguity and hard choices too. If I mean what I say and I could do this thing over here, but it might hurt somebody over here that I care about, I am faced with a tough choice. But choice after choice, this is what life gives us. Choice after choice, and eventually, over time, our lives show what we meant. Now, I wonder if those in elementary and middle and high school right now have heard of this person. I want you to guess who I'm talking about. Can you think of someone who was faced with difficult choices and was careful how they chose And maybe, if you know enough about the details of this person's life, you don't agree with every little choice they made. But by golly, their life stood for something. Anybody know? And their birthday's tomorrow. (laughs) It was a big hint. So not surprisingly, I've been reading the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail this week, given the time of the year. Who has read that letter from a Birmingham jail? I think lots of people. Did you know he talks about integrity and meaning what you say in there? And he talks a lot as a Christian minister about the religious establishment, the Christian religious establishment. And I want to offer some quotes here, but I've got to tell you, these are not offered as a critique of Christianity. These are offered as a reminder for any religious institution of which we are one. A reminder to continue to wake up because we are not here to build a religious institution. We are not here to build a religious institution. We are here to build a religious community so that we can carry out our bold mission in the world. The words of Reverend Dr. King in 1963, I've heard numerous Southern religious leaders admonish their worshippers to comply with a deed segregation decision because it's the law. Now he's talking about white churches here, they were segregated. But I have longed to hear white ministers declare: follow this decree because it is morally right. I've watched White church people stand on the sideline, he says, and mouth pious irrelevancies and sanctimonious trivialities in the midst of a mighty struggle, a mighty struggle to rid our nation of racial and economic injustice. I have heard many ministers say, those are social issues with which the gospel has no real concern. And I have watched many churches commit themselves to a completely otherworldly religion which makes a strange, unbiblical distinction between body and soul, between sacred and secular. Let's remember this quote. Let us not be some otherworldly religion that gets lost in our lofty principles and somehow separates our body and soul, the sacred, from the secular the sacred word of our principle versus the secular life of our body. He goes on, I have traveled the length and breadth of Alabama, Mississippi, and all the other southern states on sweltering, I love his words, just listen, on sweltering summer days and crisp autumn mornings, I have looked at the South's beautiful churches with their lofty spires pointing heavenward. I have beheld the impressive outlines of her massive religious education buildings over and over. I have heard myself asking, what kind of people worship here? Who is their God? What? Where? Where were they when Governor Wallace gave a clarion call for defiance and hatred? There was a time when the church was very powerful. When the early Christians entered a town, the people in power became disturbed and immediately sought to convict them as disturbers of the peace and outside agitators. But the Christians pressed on, small in number, like us, but big in commitment, like us. By their effort and example, they brought an end to evils like infanticide and gladiator contests. Did you know the Christians did that? But Dr. King turns. Things are different different now. So often the contemporary church is weak and effectual in voice with an uncertain sound. So often it is the arch defender of the status quo. Whoa. If churches do not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity, forfeit the loyalty of millions, and become dismissed as an irrelevant social club. Let me say again, Dr. King's words, I have watched churches commit themselves to a completely otherworldly religion, which makes a strange, unbiblical distinction between body and soul, between sacred and secular. There is no distinction between the sacred and secular choices in our lives. We can hope, we can tell ourselves this choice matters and this one doesn't, but there. There is no distinction. A lot of hard choices. The sacred choices made poorly will not only hurt all of Unitarian Universalism, it will hurt your heart and soul. Even sacred choices made well will challenge you if you're paying attention, because there's so much at stake. When I first moved up here almost four years ago in summer 2016, a lot of you we were going to Standing Rock. Do you know why they were going there? Do the younger among us know why people were going to Standing Rock to stop the Dakota Access Pipeline? And it worked. And it might have sustained longer if an election had turned differently. Who knows? But the women at Standing Rock, who started the action, were part of the Anishinaabe First Nations Water Protector Movement. And they were keeping a promise, their word, to care for water, water as a living being. If anyone doubted their faith before Standing Rock, no one could doubt it now, not fairly. No one could doubt Josephine Mandamin, one of the founders of the Water Protectors Movement. No one can doubt that she meant what she said when she walked over 25,000 miles in her last 20 years of life. Town after town, walk after walk, telling everybody of the importance of caring for water. And no one doubts Brenda Whitebull of the Lakota Nation and her commitment as she spoke in front of the United Nations against the Dakota Access Pipeline. Reminding the United Nations and all of us that water is alive, that she gives us life, and we are watching her die. But I doubted my faith that summer. Because I didn't go to Standing Rock. I stayed here in South Carolina, packing and then unpacking. I made a choice because I believed my children needed me more at that moment in the middle of a move and starting a new school. But that choice challenged me because I had to say, I will not demonstrate that I mean what I say here. And it hurts. So I know... That if I mean what I say about caring for Earth and about justice for First Nations, the people who inherited this part of the planet to care for, then I must continue to find other ways to demonstrate that I mean what I say. Lately, this looks like financial support or signing on to a letter for a tribe, but I know I have to do more to show that I mean what I say, if anything, to my heart and soul. Today there are many opportunities coming up for all of us during this legislative session, for all of us to do something that demonstrates we mean what we say. You can demonstrate by going to Richmond February 4th or 13th, and there are other ways, but if you go on one of those days, you could find the joy of going with a group of other people from this church. You could show that you mean what you say about gun violence prevention, disability justice, criminal justice reform, affordable housing, mental health in schools, after-school care, LGBTQ justice. Perhaps you hear the call to go to Richmond and despite all the challenges, you'll go. Perhaps you can't because you must care for your children or ill loved ones, your own illness, or you have to go to school. Whether you go or not, you are still invited to read the book of your life. And ask yourself whether you meant what you said. Like me and Standing Rock, you are always invited into lots of choices and opportunities to demonstrate that you mean what you said. Because this is what life gives us, a chance somewhere to say that we meant what we said. We get to say what we mean at least to a few. And then a choice every day and all around us to inch in the direction of what we promised. To prove to our soul that we meant what we said. And in the end, in the end, a lifetime of choices that speak louder than words. A lifetime of choices that say what we meant. And a lifetime of choices that will tell our story heartbreaks, and courage, a lifetime of choices that says what we meant. Let us live what we meant. Amen.